Hello, and welcome to the Pet Wellness Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Bonder, a veterinarian with a passion for all things pet, experienced in holistic medicine, pet training, and you guessed it, pet wellness. This is a show where we not only talk about pet problems, we give solutions and suggestions for optimizing your pet's health. Each week, you'll hear thought-provoking advice and interviews, as well as actionable tips you can implement in your daily life. And now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 17 of the Pet Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Kaylin Pello, someone who owned a doggy daycare for over six years. And together, we're going to talk about the benefits of doggy daycare. Before we start... Let me tell you a little bit about Kaylin. Kaylin has been a registered veterinary technician for over 26 years and also holds a business management degree from Ryerson. She's a mom of two incredible children and the mom of her fur baby, Sandy, who's a six-year-old standard poodle. Kaylin worked in veterinary clinical settings for over 15 years and most recently founded, owned, and operated an award-winning doggy daycare, boarding, grooming, and training facility for over six years. In November 2021, she sold the business and is currently employed with a mobile veterinary service in Barrie. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kaylin Pell. Hello, Kaylin, and welcome to the Pet Wellness Podcast. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for being on the show. So very excited to talk to you about the benefits of doggy daycare. But before we get into that, I want to share with you a story that happened to me this morning, sort of a kind of an epiphany. I was thinking about one of my podcasts I did on multi-cat households and how cats get along fairly well regularly because they have to. But deep down inside, cats typically don't like to be social with other cats because then they have to share important resources like food and litter boxes, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. So I sat and thought about the difference between that and dogs. And dogs are extremely social. Like people, we crave social interactions, unlike cats. So I thought about the typical owner that might have a cat or a dog at home, one of each. And when they leave to go to work for the day, the cat's like, yeah, whatever, I'm, I'm fine on my own. And the dog is going, oh, my Lord, mom, don't leave me now. You know, and this is where we have all these problems with separation anxiety in dogs. And yet, I don't think I've ever diagnosed separation anxiety in a cat. Not to say it doesn't exist, but I've never diagnosed it in all my years of practice. So I think it's important for us to discuss something that can improve the social aspect for dogs. And that's that's why I'm excited to have you on the show today. The other thing I thought about is when it comes to doggy daycares, it's not the dog that requests going to the doggy daycare. It's always the owner. And, you know, the whole reason why I wanted to start the pet wellness advocate movement is to try and get people to become better advocates for their pets. And thereby, it's the owner that makes that decision to take their dog to doggy daycare. Yep. No, I I absolutely agree. I think that I have found over the last several years is there has been an increase in owner awareness. And I think part of that may be with uh, COVID and people being at home and living at home and kids being at home and everybody's got the dogs there. And uh, how are we going to deal with that during the day while we're working, while we're educating our kids? And so I think this has brought a little bit more awareness to this particular part of the pet industry. Yeah, which is great. And the one frustrating part is, as I'm sure you've heard, now that the restrictions have been lifted, 
there are a lot of humane societies that are now crowded with dogs and cats because people are going back to work and they feel like they can't do anything or the dog is starting to exhibit different behaviors like separation anxiety. And so a lot of animals are being given up to shelters, which makes doggy daycare such an important solution to that problem. Absolutely. It's definitely a sad situation when we're kind of releasing dogs back into a shelter scenario. You know, COVID definitely had some positive impacts where people were actually getting and getting dogs and giving them some quality time at home. But then certainly now when, when they don't have that time, um, they're releasing them into other care. So definitely doggy daycares, uh, dog walkers, all of that are, you know, true benefits at this time. For sure. Well, why don't we start off with me asking you about generally about doggy daycare and how it benefits the pet owner. Um, sure. Okay. So overall, what what I would find is, and this is in a generalized all year round, dogs sort of of all ages benefit physically with the increased amount of exercise. It increases their metabolism. You see some weight loss, some muscle gain. You definitely find a much more fit dog. And certainly when the dog goes home, you have a very happy, tired dog. Whether they're a puppy or they're a senior, whether or not they've been playing all day whether they've had times of rest or even if they're a senior and they're just getting a bit more of a cognitive development aspect of things. From a social aspect, what you find, I mean, puppies really within the first eight, nine months of life, this is their most ideal time to actually get a ton of social development. And that's with everything, whether or not with somebody on the street wearing a hat, meeting another dog, you know, the doorbell ringing, going in the car, going for a car wash. We're talking about being exposed to so many things. But one of the key things too, is that we always want our dogs as family pets to have good behavior around other people that come into our house, around other people we see outside, other dogs and, and that kind of nature. So really having an area to go where dogs are can be safe in a doggy daycare because they are being supervised properly and dogs with some social skills are able to go in and play. That is actually teaching them really good social behavior, not just the stuff that we teach them, but what their other doggy friends can teach them too. Absolutely. And I think the same thing applies to humans. During COVID, I felt sorry for some of these poor young kids that didn't have a chance to go to school and interact socially with their friends. And for you and I who've already done that, it's no big deal. But when you're younger and you need that social interaction, it can be very harmful to humans as well as dogs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure the school system is finding uh, things in quite an uproar. Yeah. So you said about, you know, initially about the exercise and how they're a worn out dog. I have no doubt in your six years of owning a doggy daycare that you had many owners come to you after having their dog there for a week or two and telling you how amazing it was that they actually got to sleep at night. Not just in the first few weeks of maybe them coming once or twice a week, or maybe even more than that, but Over the long haul, owners know that the minute their dog generally gets in the car at the end of the day, if that dog's really been stimulated both physically and mentally, they're tired. But a a tired dog is, for the most part, a happy dog. And yes, they're maybe have a nap in the car, then they're going to go home and have their dinner. They really don't need that end of the day walk. They don't need that hour long walk because they've been busy all day. And they are sleeping the night. And I think we're finding that puppies as well, when they go home, although puppies generally in a daycare should be rested periodically so that they're not affecting their their growth development and, and joints and things like that. But 
you will find that they are sleeping the night. So show to the owners. It's a win-win on both ends of things. So, and the nice thing, you know, when your dog also goes to doggy daycare is for those people who are crate trainers, I'm a big believer in in keeping a crate. I still have my uh, standard poodle in one when I leave. Dogs that are in a crate at home while their owners are at work, or maybe they're in the crate while their owners are working at home because of COVID, they still need a lot of extra exercise at the end of the day. So when they've come to doggy daycare, we've kind of uh, solved that problem. This allows your dog to get out get elimination on a frequent basis, get their meals fed throughout the day and not have to worry about them. At the end of the day, you can both take a relax and, you know, cuddle on the couch and just have some good quality time. Yeah. You said about elimination problems that as a vet, that's the first thing that came through my mind. I mean, you're leaving potentially a puppy, which would be really bad, but even an adult dog to leave the dog for eight, 10, 12 hours, depending on how long you work. And they have no options to go to the washroom in their crate because most of them don't want to sew other crate. And if they're out of their crate, well, they got a million options. And if an owner comes home to a dog who's either urinated or defecated in the house, that destroys the human animal bond. It's not a good thing. And so I imagine that being able to eliminate whenever you need to, and it's in an appropriate place at a doggy daycare, that really helps that scenario as well. Oh, absolutely. I I would say that, you know, when people are crate training their young puppies, they're not being crated at a doggy daycare because in this particular case where I was, it was cage free, but they were allowed to go outside on a regular basis because there's an outdoor area or they're taken out on a lead into an outdoor area, encourage positive reinforcement when they go for dogs that may have an accident in the daycare. That's not uncommon at all. I mean, there's a lot of scents and smells and things like that, um, but it's not your home. And they're generally marking within the daycare. But generally, these dogs are permitted outside on a regular basis, whether or not that door is constantly open, allowing them to go in and out, or whether they're taken out and they're praised when they go to the bathroom outside. It just allows a regular schedule. So I would agree that people, when they come home and there is an accident, either in the house or in the crate, they're spending their first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of this great time that they could be having bonding with their dog and it's spent cleaning up. So we sort of take away that component of things for people so that more and more of their interactions with the dogs are on a positive way. When we look at senior dogs, I've always sort of encouraged senior dogs into daycare in a, in a safe setting. So they may be with a different group or different area, that kind of thing, but their bladders just don't hold the way they used to, or their bowels just don't hold the way they are. And some people actually consider putting their pets down because of incontinence at home, having them come to daycare where those things can be circumvented. It's easy. It's either an easy accident cleanup or outside more on a regular basis. It just makes life so much easier for everybody. And you still get to enjoy the joy of your senior pet. Right. So let's summarize the general good things that pet owners can achieve. They get to have their pet eliminate when they want to, which is going to help A, not have accidents at home and B, get the dog used to doing it in proper places because at the Mm -hmm. daycare, they're going to be rewarded by the right people at the right times, which is great. The fact that you're a registered veterinary technician is such a huge deal because you understand behavior. So I'm sure you taught your staff that, you know, when they're peeing or pooing in the right place, you know, you got to reward them. And when they're not, you just ignore it. Dogs are not stupid. They figure it after a while. Wait a minute. 
they're ignoring me when I do it here, but they praise me when I do it here. I think I'll just do it here, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's, it's pretty important. And it's the whole idea that the owner can feel comfortable that their dog is being socialized at the same time. Is there a difference in the summer versus the winter in terms of what the pet owner gains from having their dog at daycare in the summertime versus in the wintertime? Well, absolutely. In the summertime, you may find a few less in daycare um, because right. owners are maybe home or their kids are home. Maybe they've got high school students at their home are able to take the dogs out for a walk or they go to the cottage, that kind of thing. So they seem to have a lot more, not necessarily time for the dogs, but it, uh, summertime allows you to get out and you have a lot more quality time. But in the wintertime, and especially our Canadian winter, can be quite cold. And for a lot of us, including me, I'm not encouraged at minus 30 to be out walking the dog. If, you know, it's sore on their paws, their ears get hurt outside too, or they get frozen. And so does my nose and my ears. So exercise really in the winter time can be limited outside unless you really have a, a dog breed, particularly that really thrives in the outdoors in the Canadian winter. But in the wintertime, you're going to see a, a lot more benefit. So owners can get up in the morning, the dog goes out for a potty, comes into the daycare, the dog is in a nice warm environment throughout the day, they go outside to eliminate come back inside for their social time and activities and things like that. And when the owners pick up, they don't have to go for that end of day walk in the middle of the freezing cold. So that is such a benefit to so many owners that we found so often that wintertime or rainy days, generally we would get calls first thing in the morning, it's raining today. Can I bring the dog in? So, and you know, (laughs) we all laugh, but the bottom line is we, we love having four seasons here in Canada, but there are some of us that are not preferential to some. So those are are some of the aspects where seasonality can change. From the daycare that I owned, it had both boarding as well. And the boarding dogs, in fact, are part of the daycare. So they were cage-free as well. So in the summertime, boarding increased to its, its maximum at times. And so those are people either going away on vacation or maybe they're going to a friend's family cottage and right. you, you know, bring the dog, the dog yeah. things like that. So so yeah, and that kind of balances out the the daycare and and it also varies the dogs coming in and different personalities at different times. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's move on to specific benefits for specific dogs. Let's talk about puppies because that's where I think doggy daycare is an absolute must. So, what are your thoughts on puppies? I know you saw a ton of them. So tell me what you saw and how it benefited puppies and how someone who's listening right now who has a puppy can benefit from doggy daycare. With puppies in general, and we're talking about puppies that are vaccinated to to a point. So generally of 12 weeks of age, that would be the normal time when they've had two sets of boosters of their DHPP, had their board of televaccine, which is for kennel cough. And um, they've also had a negative stool sample test done. So Safety is truly paramount, and it's a combination of two things. One, from the health standpoint and making sure that all the friends, the fur friends that are coming into the daycare are as healthy as they can be. So checking a fecal test for intestinal parasites at least once or twice a year minimizes any any sharing of, uh, of parasites per se, and, you know, our staff too as well. And then, you know, ensuring by the... A four-month mark that uh, the rabies vaccine has been given. And 
you know, we kind of keep track with that on on our computer system. And it's kind of like being at the vet where you're getting a reminder. The dog can't come in unless these things are done. The true benefit for puppies coming in, as you know, from a healthy standpoint, for the most part, because nothing's 100% foolproof, is that they're going to be playing with other dogs, whether it be mature, senior, or other puppies that have equal vaccine status. Right. So that is that is a huge, that's where a lot of people have a lot of relief from that because you go to the dog park or you meet somebody on the street and you have no idea. We see kennel cough. It does like a cyclical kind of thing. We see it and then it leaves and then it maybe comes back again. And all that takes is one dog to have kennel cough. So you want to make sure that they're vaccinated. So if they in fact do get it and that they get over it um, quite quickly. But from uh, that standpoint, uh, puppies coming into daycare socialization, as we sort of mentioned earlier, is is critical, especially in the first eight months of their lives. We want to make sure that they have a lot of exposure to everything. But when you're in a doggy daycare, it's the other dogs that are actually teaching them manners in a lot of ways. Totally agree that people don't realize the power of a dog to teach other dogs. Yeah. And that's and, you know, and part of the daycare team is to actually set these dogs up for well, never for failure. So always, always to be in a situation. So you may be picking friends that maybe you're going to teach the dog um, a couple of manners because maybe it thinks that, you know, it should be uh, nipping at uh, at somebody's tail because that's kind of fun. And that's what, you know, we do at home with some of our toys and whatnot. But another dog's going to say, hey, that's my tail, not a toy at home. And you won't do that anymore. And all that can be is sometimes it can be a look, it can be a noise, it can be just their body language in general. So they're teaching them so many manners. There, when good play happens, it's something that should be also encouraged by your your daycare team. And you're not seeing things like that when you're at the dog park. When you go to a dog park, there are a lot of dogs at dog parks that aren't social, but the owner wants to take them out for exercise. So they go to a, day, a dog park because they yeah. want them to be social but they have no real knowledge of how social their dog really is. Whereas you're not going to take a dog into daycare unless they're a social being. So, you know, having an assessment that lasts more than 20 minutes, making sure that assessments are at least a half day in a daycare. um, So there's very gradual introductions into there so that your dog just doesn't feel like he's been thrown into a pack of dogs, he or she, um, and, you know, sort of fend for themselves. This is, this is something that can grow on them. And some sure. dogs are fantastic. You know, if we give the example of, you know, your little lab puppy, they have no clue that not everybody's their friend. But some dogs are a little bit more timid and they sort of need that gradual thing. But dogs, too, over time change as well. Temperaments change as hormones change. And so it's it's a situation yes. where a good doggy daycare is evaluating each dog on a day to day basis all the way through out their daycare experience. Brilliant. Yeah, agreed. That's a very important point because like us, we all change too uh, as the years go on. I'm, you know, we're all different people than we were when we were 15. Right. And, and so same thing goes with dogs. I mean, they could be totally tolerant of puppies when they're five or six. And mm-hmm. now they're an eight or nine-year-old arthritic dog. And this cute little puppy is coming up, doesn't really mean any harm. And boy, it's like, no, you're not coming near me now. 
Right. You know, and that's what your daycare is, their responsibility and, right. and their experience should be able to say, OK, well, I can separate um, these different personalities or these different physical uh, barriers that we may have, i.e. senior versus puppy and, and what those tolerance levels are. And it's ideal to sort of have um, separate areas within that daycare so that, you know, different groups can actually all blossom and all enjoy it. Because sometimes they're, they're visually watching and it could be visually watching into another area. And that in itself can be stimulation enough for some dogs. And then, you know, other ones are are playing a little bit, uh, a little bit harder. Right. If I'm correct, you had, I think, three or four different areas that you devoted to different either personalities of dogs or different areas that were allowing more exercise versus less exercise. Yeah, we had three areas in the back. We had an outside area as well, um, which actually could be viewed from inside with a, a bay door as well as a common area. So just sort of inside um, the daycare, but before you kind of get into the play area, we call it kind of the common area. And a lot of seniors or maybe a little bit more nervous dogs initially would spend time there. It's a safe place. They can just sort of come and go. Maybe they're popping in and out of the grooming rooms as well. And But they're also getting um, stimulation as well from the staff and, and other dogs that could be with them. Right. I want to just quickly say something. You mentioned it already, but I just want to really reiterate this to those of you who are listening who have a puppy. The importance of socialization, which you've already mentioned, Kalem, is so important, but it's gotten to the point where the uh, American Veterinary Behavior Association has, has put out a document stating that literally puppies should be socialized after their first vaccine and first deworming. And I realize in a doggy daycare, you need to have at least two vaccines because that's a safety concern. But it just shows you how important it is for puppies to get out there as soon as possible to be socialized to other people, other sounds, and other dogs specifically. Absolutely. I am I am glad that that's sort of, you know, sort of the way of things changing. I mean, ideally, if the dogs could all have their Bordetella vaccine at their first set of shots, but there's some uh, puppies that are just so tiny. And, <laughs> you know, we also, you know, wait until that, that 12 week mark, but, you know, whether or not that changes in the industry, we'll have to see. Right. And what about exercise for puppies? Yeah. So in terms of exercise for puppies, um, and this goes for small breeds, large breeds. And when I talk about large breeds and we could be talking about our lab or our standard poodles, or, you know, even, even our smaller, our smaller ones is that they need break time. They need to actually learn to self-regulate. Otherwise it's a party all day. And, you know, I don't know, my, my older bones tell me that, you know, that party for an hour is a little bit much. So, but these puppies just don't know kind of that shut off. And it is a learned trait in the daycare. It's absolutely phenomenal to see when the light bulb goes on. But basically when they're first coming in, you know, they should have about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And then they should have a little break, whether that's 20 or 30 minutes. And, you know, we happen to have boarding suites, so they could actually just sort of be in there. It's a big, huge, you know, four or five by seven areas. It's a big area. They can see, still see things going on, but if they're tired, they can actually rest because they're actually not having as much stimulation. Nobody's poking them and chasing them and encouraging different kind of forms of play. And then they get to come out again and then, you know, have that kind of cycle again. And then nap time is technically a nap time. We actually shut the lights down, music on, and it was supervised by, by a couple of staff. And it's absolutely incredible to see the dogs literally drop down for a nine eye and they just would have a nap. It'd be the occasional one that would be up trying to get somebody going, but 
for the most part, it's amazing how quiet it can get. And I call it self-regulation. And it's dogs that come more routinely into daycare. And it doesn't have to be five days a week, but even, you know, once or twice a week, they get, oh, now I need to rest my body. Nap time is my rest the body for a, for a mature dog. Puppies, some of them after a while, once they realize that, you know, we would put them away for a, a wee bit of a nap time, whether that's 20 minutes or so, all of a sudden you might see them just sort of drop down in the middle middle of the play area. It was absolutely amazing. And they'd have a nap right there while dogs are zooming around them because they're now saying, oh, I need my little rest time, you know? Oh, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I think that's really important for puppies. That's great. Yes. They do need that time. If they go, go, go. And even for those of you listening who haven't got a doggy taker and you have a puppy at home, the, the same thing applies. You can't just have them run around the backyard for five hours straight because they'll do it. That doesn't mean it's good for them. No, nope, so, absolutely. And for me, uh, I just think, uh, and we've talked about this in the past, is behavior problem prevention. Uh, as you know, I'm all about prevention. I hate when dogs get behavior problems. Then they come to us and, and wants to fix them. It's so much easier just to prevent them in the first place. So let's, mm -hmm. let's hear what you have to say about that. Well, I think, you know, safety, it, it's, it's truly, it is, it's paramount. I think it's everything working from the initial assessment, evaluating dogs on a regular basis. Um, you want to always be encouraging safe play. So right. I think part of that is that dogs may be teaching them, but every once in a while you, you get, you know, one that says, oh, well, you know, that's really not how I do it. I'm going to, you know, tell you, I'm going to change it up. And that's where we need to step in as dog handlers is, is saying, no, the dog is telling you this. Now I'm going to tell you that's that's inappropriate. And maybe you have to have a little time out or you're going to have to hang with me for a few minutes. You know, it's good that we can correct it on the spot. Because right. a lot of times what happens is the dog goes out, he has poor behavior. And we're not talking about in the daycare, but he goes out and he has poor behavior and it's not corrected right away. And then uh, having the opportunity for them to go back into that environment again in the doggy daycare and Maybe it's being replicated. And then when it happens that it's good, you can actually praise it. Right. So, that's the key. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a key. It's really so much about really being there. And a lot of times, uh, you know, with the team, it was always, okay, we've got different play areas. It's good to have somebody supervising in each play area, even though it was wide open, so that you're immediately there to, you know, circumvent problems. Right. You know what I think of? I think of the number of times that I've gone by a big dog park where you've got 10 dogs running around and nine parents, one's watching their dog and the other nine parents are sitting there chatting about, you know, what happened in their day. No one's watching anybody. That's the part where I think people don't realize that at a doggy daycare, there are people standing. It's like having a lifeguard in a, it's like swimming in a lake with no lifeguard or swimming in a pool with two or three lifeguards. It's the same thing. Yeah. And, and the staff training within a doggy daycare it's so essential. It's not like, oh, come on and we play with dogs. This is how it's done. There, there's so much more to it. And, and a lot of that in the first several weeks of them in there's if we see this scenario and you got to sometimes see it and then be shown, okay, well, this is how we correct this behavior, or this would be good play. And this is not great play and that kind of stuff. And explaining those things as you go, when a lot of people go into um, an environment where other people just sort of bring out their dogs, which is great because it's still good for social development, but you sit there and you think you are at the mercy of everybody else. You, right. you have no idea. There's not a continuity and this is how these things should go and what is safe play and what's not safe play. Doggy daycares as well 
can weed out aggressive dogs. As much, uh, as much as it is needed that all dogs have that socialization, when you're in a cage-free setting, you can't have an aggressive dog. Right. There can be a dog with maybe um, more dominant play, but aggressive dogs in, in a doggy daycare would be a no-no. Right. And, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize when they're dealing with adult dogs and puppies, and you know this because you see it every day, but, you know, I've seen situations where a little puppy goes up to an adult dog and the dog growls at the puppy, which is normal, just says, hey, I'm not in the mood to play. And then I see the owner reprimand the growling dog. And I think, oh, like he's just talking to him. He hasn't hurt the dog. It's so no, frustrating and, and, to see, you know, it's, it's normal. In talk. fact, he's probably saying, you know what? I'm tired. Go yeah. away. We'll talk later. Right. You know, exactly. If only we could have this little bubble above their heads that sort of said it's, what it is they're saying. We can't assume that a growl means all bad. No, 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 no. I think that in a lot of ways, that's actually teaching the puppy, you know, good manners. Right. Yeah, that you talked about that before, and I thought I had to throw that in there. That's the other thing that you'll you'll see at just a regular dog park that people don't understand what the language is between dogs. Whereas when you bring them to a doggy daycare where the people are experienced with dog behavior to some degree, they're, they're, they just understand those sort of little subtle communications that aren't bad, but they may look bad, but they're not. Right. Yeah. Well, that's great. So lots of benefits for puppies for sure. Let's move on to our senior dogs. What's, what's the benefit to a senior dog? So our senior pets still need exercise. They don't need the same kind of exercise that you're going to find with puppies or just say, you know, mature or adult dogs, but they still need to be kept moving. It's still good for their joints. It's still good for weight loss. One of the most important things is for cognitive development. So okay. just having a dog in an area where other dogs are there, either stimulating them with things going on, but that they're actually able to sit there and view and actually be kept awake, keeping their brain going. So, you know, sure, we have some senior dogs that would, you know, have their regular nap times. And then, but there's other ones that it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, this dog is awake a good chunk of the day, or maybe it's kept busy. We had several that were just happy just to be busy little bees all by themselves. So, you know, they're smelling over here, or they're wandering over there, or maybe they're not playing with toys, but they're awake and they're engaged. And I think that for senior dogs, it's a, it's a win-win. I realize that your dog isn't necessarily coming in and, you know, getting the same kind of exercise, but it is doing so much for them rather than sitting at home and just sleeping. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're right. The physical exercise to keep those joints lubricated and moving, but the cognitive exercise is almost more important for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise they're, you're right. They're just laying down at home and probably snoozing the whole day. And what's great. The owners, this is where the owner goes, Oh, this is great. He sleeps all day. And then I get home and I can play with him, but no, they need, they need that, that sort of stimulation during the day, not just for an hour at night when you get home from work. Mm -hmm. Could you share with our listeners, maybe an example of a senior pet that you saw really benefited from the doggy daycare experience? Oh, absolutely. There's been Several, but one that sticks to mind was um, sort of a middle-aged Yorkie that was had cataracts. He has diabetes, and the owners honestly could never go away. They couldn't leave him unattended. So when they had found out about us that had staff that were able to give uh, insulin that we could care for a senior pet, 
And when I say senior, I believe he was about seven or eight at the time when he first came to us. But he was there for several years, actually doing quite well. But he actually really enjoyed daycare. So it got to the point where he had such a comfort level that although his vision was not great, when you put him in a situation where he could safely get around an area that he was comfortable with, no different than, say, your family room at home, he knows where the table is, he knows where the chairs are. And so he's now in a safe environment within the daycare, and he's got maybe in his case, small dogs around him that knew he was, it was going to be safe and, you know, they weren't going to bug and poke him and that kind of stuff. It created a happy dog. When he came in, he was excited to be there. And that's, that goes for, for, for most of them. You see, even see mature dogs that uh, later on are, are coming in that have been to daycare before and now are maybe coming in just for a grooming appointment and they're just pulling their owners in wanting to get in there. But in this particular case with this uh, cute little Yorkie, you know, his life actually could expand. And for his owners, their life was able to expand. It was absolutely a a win-win. We loved having him. Uh, we were able to care for him. We were able to give him emotional love and support and medical care he needed. And he was able to have some socialization with other dogs. And for their owners, it gave them a release because their dog was diabetic, needed to be given insulin twice a day. And, you know, they couldn't go anywhere. So now their life just opened up completely and they were able to keep him a much longer life. And so it was, it was a wonderful experience. Wow. That sounds like a win, 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 right. For everybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you sound just the way you talked about it. It sounded like you, you were probably as excited about the opportunities they were. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just adore, <laughs> I just adore the senior pets. It's just, they're wonderful. Yes. Especially when they're given a chance to, to show that they have more in them than we think they do, right? Oh I mean, my it's gosh. no different than senior people. If you give them, you know, if they're just sort of sitting there and doing nothing, then they're going to, yeah, they're going to act Amazing like nothing. how they come out of their yeah. shell. Yeah, that's just, what all I was of a sudden say. they're like, oh, wow, there's, you know, stimulation a bit more beyond, yes. beyond the, the family room during the day. There's so much more out there, you know, and I know we'll get into this, but it's always wanting to make sure that the environment is safe for them. Absolutely. So not every, not every place is equal and right. want to make sure that the staff are, are well-versed on the dogs and they're able to actually, you know, meet your needs, meet your puppy's needs, that kind of thing. Puppies and or senior pets. For sure. Okay. Wow. So we talked about puppies and the benefits and senior dogs and the benefits. Let's now talk about adult dogs. And I guess when I talk about adult dogs, we kind of inherently know what's going to benefit them, the exercise, the social aspect. So let's talk about dogs with behavior problems and where doggy daycare can sometimes, not always, but sometimes solve potential behavior problems that I guess puppies and seniors can have. But let's just talk about an adult dog who is, you know, maybe a little shy or, you know, stuff like that. Probably dogs that in fact may be showing some tendencies towards separation anxiety. Um, That would probably be a a great example of that, you know, kind of nipping that situation in the bud. And we did see Many people throughout the the throes of the early phases of the pandemic, where dogs are kind of at home now, owners are now going back and that kind of thing to work. Now they're alone. Now they're just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So separation anxiety, it is real. And it doesn't have to be that he just goes and destroys your shoe or, he, you know, claws at the front door. This is truly internal anxiety that has escalated and just keeps increasing within the pet. So sometimes these dogs will actually need medication. They'll need to see the vet. 
and do that. Sometimes these things caught early might be able to be, and I say might, but it be able to be circumvented. So owners are now going to have to go out for eight hours during the day. If I drop him off at doggy daycare, now his mind's being stimulated. So, and maybe he's comforted by the other dogs there. Maybe he's just comforted by the staff there that are giving him some love and attention. So there are some dogs that separation anxiety is kind of over the top and that's a whole other conversation, but there are so many cases where daycare really can make or break it there. You know, I had several cases and it is just truly amazing how you can have a dog that could have full-blown separation anxiety, but you're able to circumvent it by, by offering this service. Well said. And you know, if I can bring up something because it happened yesterday, we had a horrible thunderstorm. There's so many dogs who have noise sensitivities. Well, imagine you're at work and your dog's at home and it's a thunderstorm and they're already anxious that you're not there. And now literally they have to spend the whole day either in their crate or even in the house with this horrible loud noise going on in the outside. Whereas in the daycare, the one advantage is there's lots of dogs around. So the noise sort of gets dulled out by all the dogs barking and playing, but they also have companions there to you know, if they're really frightened of noises, I'm sure the best remedy for that is just another dog, a buddy. Well, rarely, I have to say, rarely in the daycare, do you ever hear thunder? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, unless it's nap time, yes. but, um, you know, cause dogs are just, they're, they're happy. And when they're happy they're they can bark. I mean, it, it is what it is, but I would agree that there are ways of dealing with things like you know, the noise with thunderstorms and things like that. People use the thunder jackets or maybe they need a sedative um, that they've gotten from the vet or or something else. But by um, having the, the, the options of these things, it just reduces their stress and their anxiety levels. And in a lot of ways, these dogs can be on less med- medication, less of them being rehomed because the, animal, the owners can't kind of handle poor behavior. You know, yeah. dogs can do a little bit of, of damage if they're pretty worried. Yes. And we both know that the number one reason for either euthanasia or relinquishment are behavior problems. So getting a puppy into daycare prevents those behavior problems because now they're being adequately socialized and they don't have time to have separation anxiety because they're too busy playing. And then for the adult dogs or the senior dogs who might have a mild case of separation anxiety or, or a noise phobia, daycare helps deal with those problems. Exactly. And it, 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 it's all really on that assessment and on that uh, regular assessment of the dog and, and how they're in fact doing. Because there are some dogs that may have been at daycare for some time as a puppy and they do really well. But as an adult, they're just like, uh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and I want right. to, you know, and I think that's the part of the, the daycare is to say, you know what, Fluffy, you know, isn't enjoying daycare as much anymore because maybe the, the stimulus is, is a little bit different or maybe you know, just how, how their personality is. So it's not always going to be a a flow in, there's going to be the occasional dog that you have to actually say what's in the best interest of the dog is to either be here on a quieter day, maybe, or whether sometimes Saturday daycare works great for situations like that, just to keep the socialization. But sometimes they just mature enough that they want to be at home and they're quite content with that. So if that works within that family group, that's also something, you know, that a good daycare sort of needs to be able to recognize and to be able to deliver that information to the owner. Well, the thing I love what you just said is that makes you and the owner a team, which I always believe it should be, is that you're going to be honest with the owner. Even though you own this daycare, you're going to be honest to say, hey, your dog doesn't necessarily like it here anymore. And I really appreciate that 
there are honest people like you around that will literally say, okay, I'm, I'm going to lose some income this way because this dog yeah. comes every day, but he's not really enjoying himself. As we grow, our, our personality and our likes and our dislikes change. And, right. and so do that of other dogs. Sometimes owners don't have a choice and they're like, the dog has to come to daycare. I know it's safe. Yes. Um, it's a good place for them. The dog can't be at home. So, you know, you can try to modify things in different areas, different staff, different dogs. But sometimes there still comes a point where it's, you know, in that dog's best interest to find something alternative. So those would be recommendations where you're saying, okay, you know what? We highly recommend a particular dog walker. And sometimes they maybe walk dogs with multiple dogs. And that might benefit your dog versus just walking your dog alone. So, so many different things that truly just because it may not be focused within your center specifically by being able to make some recommendations out of there you are really looking in the best interest of the dog. And to me, that really should be the owner of the dog and that teamwork with the team. Yes. And I'm sure there are more positive experiences than negative experiences. Like you said, there's more coming in than going out per se. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Let me tell you, sorry, I guess I should clarify that. It's very rare that, that you're looking at dogs, in fact, are becoming, you know, complacent in there. And it's just, you know, not that they're not kind of thriving on it anymore. It's it's generally the other way around where you're still seeing senior dogs hauling their owners literally up the steps and into the daycare to the point where one lady actually did a, a big pirouette in the lobby. Um, so, you know what, it's, uh, you see far more of that. My comment was more just to recognize the variances. Oh, I think that's what I got. I just wanted to reiterate the point. There, there's a lot more happier dogs than there are not happy dogs. That's oh, for sure. goodness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So one thing you talked about earlier that I really want to harp on, because this to me is a huge benefit to doggy daycare for me as a veterinarian, you know, owners have a tough time seeing problems, medical problems in their pet on a regular day. But if you're not home to observe them moving around and doing things, it's kind of hard to know if your pet's having a problem. Having eyes on dogs in a doggy daycare is a is a real benefit. I don't think people appreciate it as much. So I'd love to hear your your comments on that. Well, for sure. I mean, there's and there's different facets to this. And I take this away from not just because I'm a vet tech and may notice a few things that say the average eye might not, but a team, a team approach that sees your dogs on a regular basis, or maybe the dog comes in once a week and you see your dog every single day. So sometimes you don't know different than your child growing. You don't see them growing inch by inch. What you see within your dog, you may not notice as quickly as somebody who doesn't see your dog necessarily as often. So, you know, we've had dogs that have come in and maybe they have had a bit of limping. Maybe their appetite's been off. Maybe they have a little bit of coughing. Maybe this is an older dog. Maybe it's a coughing because it's a kennel cough and you're addressing it that way. Some dogs are scooting and they've got anal gland problems. A dog might have some diarrhea. Normally, some dogs just go out into their backyard and uh, go to the bathroom and maybe people do a cleanup once a, once a week or whatever. But at daycare, we're seeing it there. It's yes. it's live, right? So yeah, totally. In a lot of ways, a certain early dis- disease detection really is available. And the one good thing about that is that we can work with it. You can work in a good approach with regards to their owner whether or not the dog needs to actually see their veterinarian or whether or not we can make recommendations on certain things. Yeah. it's And you said two of them that I thought of right off the bat is that there are certain things that exercise is going to bring on that it might not bring on at home. So 
heart disease, classic, right? If your dog has early heart disease and now they're running around and then they start to cough, you're right. It could be kennel cough, but it could also be early heart disease that you wouldn't necessarily notice in a dog who's snoozing all day. Same thing with, with lameness. It may take for a dog to tear around for you to notice a mild tear in a cruciate ligament that you wouldn't notice if they were just walking around at home per se. I, I think that exercise is great, but it certainly can bring out things that a dog has that are mild when they're not exercising. But no, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes it, it can be something subtle. And I have had some of the team members and they've noticed something really subtle. And then, you know, a week later, the dog comes back in and we're like, you know what? Dog's still doing that. And it can just be when it's actively playing with another, say, another big dog. And so at home, owners aren't going to see this at all. So, you know, maybe this is an early sign of, um, you know, possible cruciate tear or whether or not, you know, they've got um, something else going on. We've also brought it up to owners and said, you know, we've noticed, you know, the dog sort of limps on on the front end uh, every once in a while. And they go, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, we were at the vet. He's got, you know, some joint issues and he's on some Medicam or he's on some joint supplements. It's okay. Just every once in a while, you know, give him some uh, restrictive play. And uh that is also that other thing where you're trying to work in tandem. You want to make sure that you're doing what's best for that dog based on some of these uh, medical situations, right? So yes. brilliant. Yeah, that well, I call it the extra eye. Can't hurt to have a few extra yeah. eyes on your dog when you're at work. It's it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, why don't we end off with something that I think, you know, I hope a lot of you listeners out there are going, wow, I got to take my dog to doggy daycare. So now we have to talk about, okay. If you're looking for a doggy daycare, let's talk about the things you should look for. Okay. So one important. of my, yeah, one, one thing is your doggy daycare should be clean. Yes. When you walk in the door, it should smell clean. I realize that, you know, dogs in some centers are, you can have a little bit of damp dog smell and that could be on a rainy day or maybe the, the grooming center in there, but it should smell clean. It's a work, but it's but it's easy to manage. And it's it's one of those things that should offer comfort to people. There should be lots of room for dogs to play and have safe fun. So not just one area, separate areas. They don't have to be divided by a door, but you know, even with the fences that they can see through or or not. But so the dogs can actually be separated. You can move them here and there throughout the day. You can change up their friends. Um, you can have your less active, your moderate active, your, you know, extreme high flyers, that kind of stuff into different areas. And I, I think that that's really key. If you don't have enough areas to separate things, all the stuff we talked about, you almost can't do. Like no. you can't throw a little cute little Yorkie puppy in with 30 Bernie's mountain dogs that are running around like crazy. Or you can't throw in a senior dog who's arthritic into a, a crowd of really crazy labs that are having fun. You know? Absolutely. I mean, when I was uh, initially growing the business, I had two indoor and one outdoor, and then I eventually created an extra area and uh, we went with uh, three indoor and then the outdoor area. And it just absolutely was really almost like life-changing in a way for the business and for the dogs that were able to be in there. It really just sort of changed the dynamic. Yes. And I think that that's, that is key. You know, there are some uh, great daycares that have expansive outdoor areas. Right. Um, and if your dog's a really, uh, a really high active runner dog, maybe they've got a pond on the property and stuff. So those are things to look for. You're kind of looking at what's going to work for your dog. Right. Do you have areas for smaller dogs as well as giant breeds, I guess? You know what? We kind of worked it more on 
their their personality styles, their energy levels. And I used to use the word energy level a lot because we would have a great Dane with Yorkie, no problems at all. So when we, we look at extremes, you're really looking at what kind of a vibe, what kind of energy they're giving off. And that can be on a day-to-day basis, but that could just be what their personality is. Right. So that is really key. I think asking about who owns the daycare, how long have they been doing this? How many staff do they have? Do they have good staff to dog ratios? You know, the ideal is a seven or a 10 to one. So that means at most sort of 10 dogs to, to one team member. And that still seems like a lot, but sometimes you can have, say, six small and, and four bigger ones. Right. And it is amazing, um, no different than uh, a child daycare. Um, your ratios are are what they are. And it's not as though these ratios are are strict by any means, but that's sort of the ratio that I found to be one of, of a safe nature. Right. So you're able to sort of assess the situations quite clearly based on that. So you also want to make sure and, you know, asking those questions. I mean, how long has your staff been here? Uh, do they actively play with the dogs? Do you have programming for the dogs here? I mean, we had a morning afternoon activities that went on different party days, different things like that. So want to make sure that it's not boring. You know, yes, you know, our dogs at home, they get up, do their thing. We go for a walk. We come home. We have a nap. We maybe have a snack. You know, it, you know they love routine, but they also love change. So, and it doesn't have to be long. It can be short bubble time. It can be, you know, we're doing tunnel run fun, um, you know, uh, scent boxes. Uh, we started doing a little bit of that in sort of our activities. At one point, I actually had a trainer that was working with me and he was actually part of my actual daycare team uh, in the back throughout the day and did training at night. And it was amazing just some of the different ideas that he brought forth, which was fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, doggy daycare, I'll take my dog. They'll run around like a cuckoo nut all day long. Just run, run, run and play. Then I'll be exhausted and it'll be great. It, it's more than that. It's way oh, more it, than that. It, it is. The, it has it's to gotta be, be more than that. The whole package. It has to be the <laughs> whole package. There's got to be more. There's got to be, you know, where we are cognitive stimulating these dogs during yes. the day that there is things, you know, we have different activities, whether it be like, um, I know it sounds silly, but you know, the X's and O's, you know, and the, the ball's going back and forth and the dogs are here and there and, you know, or, you know, can the dog go in and uh, sit on the, this particular thing and the area in the back is sort of a rubberized flooring. And so you could use chalk on there and this would be their X and then you'd have an O if the dog would sit or he would do a different command or give a paw in a different area. So we had a lot of fun, different things. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of work for the team to do because they're, they're managing everything as in its entirety, but with proper staff ratios, you really can give them not just physical development, but you want to work the brain. And I'll I'll say two things to that. Number one, I'm sure your staff enjoyed it a lot more doing things with the dogs and just literally standing there watching dogs run around. Listen, I could sit and watch dogs run around all day long. I get it. That's that's just fun just to watch dogs play. But if you're interacting with them, then you you become a part of it, which I think is great. So that's one aspect. The other aspect that I, th- I think a lot of people don't realize that mental stimulation is more exhausting than physical exertion. Yes. Oh, that- yes. Right. You can do some nose training with a dog and afterwards they're literally exhausted. You think you didn't do anything. You just sniffed around a bunch of boxes. Well, hands down exhausted. Right. I had a, a one of my dogs. I had him and he was doing some scent training and it was amazing. It was a senior dog. 
And you know what his, you know, sight was going, but boy, could he ever use his sniffer. And I'm telling you, by the time his 45 minute class was over, he was passed out in the car and he was good to go. And this is just, you know, there's, there's different elements that you can bring and offer to your dog, but just working that brain uh, is so essential. Absolutely. Yeah. And doing both is even better. I mean, ideally they get both Sure. Um, and, and they would not get either one of those at home. So are there any other, any other tips that you have for pet owners looking for a good doggy daycare or have we covered them all? I think, you know, we've covered a good part of it. I think one of the really strong key components is that people need to realize that not every dog is meant to be cage-free doggy daycare. And there is nothing wrong with that. And so sometimes those dogs don't, aren't suitable for that. It's just not who they are. And no different than than our children and how different they are, whether or not they like, you know, baseball or they like to figure skate or they do something like that. But you know what? Then the owners sort of need to look kind of beyond that. You know, oh, maybe, you know, my dog loves dock diving or maybe he enjoys, um, you know, frisbee throwing or or different things. So um, where sometimes it's more of an individual kind of thing or versus a group um, situation. So I think just one of the things is that, as, as pet owners, we just have to realize that just as we're different, so are they. And not they don't just sort of fit into this, this box. And, you know, not everything is, is going to work in that way. And that hopefully with regards to whatever team, if, if you have it at a daycare, that they're working with you to sort of share some of that information. So I think that's really kind of critical. I probably think that's the most important thing that you've said so far is make sure that you work with the daycare to see if that is truly the right place for your dog to be. And if it is great, and if it isn't, don't worry about it. It's, you know, no big deal. You'll find something else. And you know what? One daycare, it will be different from another too. And that's something to consider. So although the particular daycare that I had, we had, like I said, dogs as small as Chihuahuas to Great Danes, some just deal with small dogs only. Right. Um, Some don't allow certain breeds, things like that. So you're really looking for the best fit. One doggy daycare might be in a much smaller center, so they can only take in so many dogs. And maybe that's going to be more suitable to your pet, whereas other dogs are looking for more expansive areas to run, a lot more energy from other dogs, things like that. So just because one doggy daycare doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that others don't, but it's really all about asking those questions and making sure that you, you check all your boxes for safety first, and then you're, then you're looking at what else they offer beyond that. That was well said. I I just thought, as you were saying all these things, how, if someone said to me, Hey, Dr. Mike, how would you look for a vet clinic? I probably would have said a lot of the things that you said. In terms of, you know, ask questions. I always loved clients who would come to my clinic and say, tell me about this and tell me what you do about that. And, you know, how do you, how do you do anesthesia and how do you treat these kind of situations? Mm -hmm. I used to love that stuff because then I knew I was dealing with someone who cared enough for their pet that they wanted to know what I was doing because not every vet clinic. And, you know, I hate to say it. Most of us choose a vet clinic or a doggy daycare or a dentist that's close to our home because it's convenient. But at the end of the day, we want what's best for our pets, just like yeah. we want what's best for us. We should be choosing based on interviewing the different doggy daycares or the different vet clinics or whatever, whatever the case may be. 
Absolutely. It really is important to ask the question. So I'm glad that you said that because that that's a good way to end this is, is really, if you want to know about doggy daycares, call three or four of them in your area and ask the same questions. And you'll probably get some pretty different answers from. And you want to also go in for a tour. I know during COVID that was really tough. People weren't doing that as often just with safety measures, but those, those kind of times have changed now and, and they're back. And I think it's really important for people to see and meet some of the team when owners come in and they're able to go in and see dogs actively playing in the back that they can see how that team is actually dealing with and taking care of the dogs. So I think those are really important things. Agreed. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I've learned a ton and I'm sure our viewers have as well. And hopefully they'll choose to potentially think about doggy daycare for their dogs to help with socialization, with exercise, and all the other things that we talked about today. So thanks again Thank for joining Thank you for having me. me. That was fun. Pleasure. Have a good one. Same to you. Take care. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation, and I really hope that you've gained some insight today on the importance of doggy daycare in providing not only exercise, but a safe social setting where your adult dog or puppy can enjoy a day socializing and playing with their own kind. I think COVID has really taught us how important social interactions are for us as humans. Well, our dogs being social creatures really deserve no less. After all, our pets deserve our best. If you're excited to hear more about how you can become a pet wellness advocate, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thanks for spending time with us today.